for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, aka Referees, in another great pod. We're going to break down some Chiefs training camp. We also are going to talk about some breaking Royals news today. Uh, like I said on the previous podcast, I was like, I know this is going to come out, and then there's going to be another huge Royals trade, and then my podcast isn't really going to matter anymore, and that's exactly what happened. So call me the Oracle of 39th Street because Kyle retired. Um, but yeah, here we are. Uh, Reese, did you hear about the last episode when I made nicknames for Alex? I did. That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, and now and, and now the whole chat is like, we should have Jonathan Taylor Thomas just destroy Armando and fantasy this year. I was actually thinking, what if what if everybody like who, who whoever I was playing that week they like purposefully trade Jonathan Taylor to the team that I'm playing against, and like I just and they just like keep training him to the team that I'm playing against, and I never win. Dude, that's, it's like that's got to be some sort of vampire league adjacent concept, right? Or like <laughs> right. ringer league or something like that. Just keep passing around the hot hand to kick, like kick your butt. Reverse vampire. Yeah, I feel like that's what's gonna happen next year because I was making fun of Alex. Um, but anyway, how, how you doing, Reese? Tell us, uh, tell us about your week. Uh, tell us about the uh, pod you just put out with Alex too. Yeah, it's been a uh, dude. It's hot. It's hot. It's been hot. It's gonna continue to be hot. Uh, I mean record-breakingly hot right right now i would say it's the same weather you usually get in kind of like mid late august that's like the hot months in kansas city no lie it's been like that since probably early mid-june and uh all things considered i'm a guy who likes his heat don't get me wrong i would rather take a super hot summer versus like an iowa winter all things considered but at this juncture it's like yo i'm done with this heat man it was like I think we got one overcast day of like 78 degrees or something like that recently. I'm like, this is great. This feels like baby fall. This feels like football weather. I'm excited. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, how, how's the weather been up in Herkimer? Oh, it's so hot. In fact, this is the first... No, yesterday was the first day that my air conditioning worked here in the community college. What? Dude, okay, I'm I like don't even care anymore. I'm just... I'm, this is going to be <laughs> like a pot against Herkimer Community College. Like... The first week that we got here, our internet didn't work, and I what? I talked to Herkimer Community College, and then I talked to the people that they employ to like install the Wi-Fi. Like it's a separate company in New York, and I like got on the phone with them, and they were like, "Yeah, there's an issue within your room. Like something's happening where just like I can't get a signal in my room." Um, so I put in like, I don't know how many work orders, man. I put in like 20 work orders and then out of nowhere, um, I was at rehearsal. I come back home and someone like strip the, the Wi-Fi off of our, our wall. It was on, it was on the wall. The modem was on the wall and it was just gone Yeah. and I didn't get any notification or anything. So like clearly they're trying to work on it. Well, it's two and a half months later and there is still no modem on my wall. What? So how are you getting Wi-Fi? um, I a friend finally like went to Walmart and got a modem and is using the like the wall jack um, to then like use make the Wi-Fi work. But like we shouldn't have to buy our own Wi-Fi here. You know what I mean? Like Dude. it's just like it's so bad, man. And I, I haven't had uh, I haven't had air conditioning. And the weather's been pretty good, like probably in the 70s, but sometimes it gets 80 and 90s out here, which is really bad. Yeah. Um, and luckily, I, the sun doesn't hit my room. So like it's been fine. But recently it's been so hot that 
like unbearable. So then I was on my like fourth work order on that. And finally some dudes working on someone else's unit. So I like went into their suite and I was like, Hey, can you fix my unit too? And they're like, Oh sure. Whatever dude. (laughs) They finally fixed my unit, but like, dude, it has just been brutal here at Herkimer community college, but it's okay. We probably don't have any listeners in Herkimer. So we're right. I was going to say, it's like, it's 2022 and I'm always kind of mind blown the concept that there are parts of Cherry Valley and Cooperstown that don't have Wi-Fi, but it's like, how is, how can you not have internet and AC as an artist at a company like that? It's like, that's where you wish you were one of the principals. Cause if you're a principal, you can just like complain until the cows come home and basically get whatever you want and you'll get hired back exactly yeah oh yeah they'll they'll hire uh, you back at like double your rate it's like companies almost like (laughs) get off on having conflict with singers it's crazy conversation but if you if you do want to hear all the drama uh you only have to donate three hundred dollars a month on Patreon. Reese, how can they donate on Patreon so they can hear all the drama that I'm going through here? If you want to hear, you know, a soon Armado's Drama Podcast on Patreon. And if you want to hear that, <laughs> you can subscribe at patreon.com backslash FCSM to get outtakes, bonus episodes, yes. and exclusive beer reviews, including our 10 part in depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise titled Speedy and Angry, co starring Alex the Rad Russian Nikolenko. I just want to give an update on that really quick. That's his nickname, by the way. Uh, So here's something that happened. I I know we've been stuck on number two on Patreon for a while. Uh, The story behind that is uh, episode three got corrupt. So we had recorded episode three and episode four. Uh, Episode three got corrupt. And I did everything in my power to find it, uh, to find if I had laid any breadcrumbs, to try and like see if it had auto-saved anywhere, but it was corrupt. So we're sitting right now on episode four, and I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. For those who don't know Fast and Furious, uh, canonically, three, Tokyo Drift, three actually happens after the sixth film, canonically. So when we lost number three, I was torn, and I'm like, okay, do we just post number four, go five, six, and then jump back and redo three? I said, or because this is an in-depth deep dive of the films as they were released, do we wait, re-record three, and then post four? Uh, Long story short, I sat down with Alex. We've decided to do the former, and we're going to post episode three after episode six. So keep your eyes peeled for episode four, Fast and Furious, which should be dropping in the next week. Uh, Last week, as Armando mentioned, he did a solo cast. Alex and I were here that same night recording Fast Five, which is my personal favorite in the series. So if you want to find out why, then you got to become a Patreon subscriber for the cost of less than one cup of Starbucks coffee per month and just live that series quarter mile at a time. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we appreciate anything. And even if you can't help us out monetarily, um, the least you can do is just press that good old download button on all whatever your favorite podcast app is. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music. Just make sure you press the download button as we've talked about before and we'll keep talking about. Uh, we, we are in talks with, with some advertisers and they look at our downloads. So please hit that download button and that determines whether we can 
can get advertising or not. And that would be a huge step in this podcast. We always try to give content to you at least once a week. Um, and we try to give good content. You all are our best friends now. So we uh, really hope that you can at least download our podcast as well as listen to it. All right. Um, oh, yeah. And then all the other great things. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook, all the fun stuff. And we're, we're growing followers on Instagram. Uh <laughs> Yeah, what's the story yeah. behind that? Actually, don't tell them the story behind that. It's nothing illegal. We're playing. We're playing by the rules. As you said it, David Ev- Dave Evans just followed us on Instagram. Great. This is how you start an empire. Nobody needs to know. There's nothing wrong going on no here. No one needs to know our algorithm. But right now we are at 186 followers. I think last before the uh, my trick we were at 140, maybe 150. So yeah, this is a 20 percent increase hey. in the span of the last few days. 30 followers in two days we'll take it dude yeah i don't care this is fine if you donate not only 300 dollars to hear my drama if you donate an extra two dollars to that 300 dollars, i will also drop what i am doing in the algorithm to get more followers on instagram and it's literally nothing illegal you guys this is like the equivalent of being like oh my goodness what would this be the equivalent of this is the equivalent of like saving money on water by just like filtering the water from your dehumidifier and drinking that that's all this is the equivalent of that so filter your dehumidifier water there's thirsty people in california that need it have you have you seen the like there's a show on tlc or one of those like reality shows where it's people who are like penny pinchers who like who like save toilet paper and oh yeah just do like really stupid things i feel like that's what the analogy you just made no I d- yeah i mean basically and it was a stupid analogy i was trying to find some way of like saving gas by doing something or whatever no maybe Siphoning. this is what it is this is like saving gas by like finding the route that's like most downhill per square mile to your job and just like coasting we're just we're just super smart, dude. Yeah, super smart. We're just we're just, we're just built different. Stonks, man, just built different. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Now let's talk about some even more fun things, and that is Chiefs training camp. Reese and I are just going to go back and forth, and who we think is standing out in training camp. We've already seen enough that I think we've we we uh, we can predict who's going to have a breakout season or people that we didn't think um, are going to break out. So Reese, let's just go back and forth. Uh, why don't you start? Who do you like thus far in training camp, and who do you think is going to be great for us this year? I mean, can we just get the obvious out of the way and say that? Sky Moore is looking really good so far. Pacheco. I mean, no, dude, I mean, no, I was going to get to Pacheco. Oh, I'm going to okay, get okay. to Pacheco. Uh, but no, Sky Moore, he's yeah. looking real crisp on his roots. He's looking real natural on his releases. Sky Moore, to me, looks like he's laying the foundation of being one of those guys that it's like, he looks like he plays so slow. Why can nobody stick to this guy? You know? Kind of like Kelsey almost in a sense. Like Kelsey is the slowest fast guy ever. Pacheco is slowly coming. Or Freudian slip. Uh, Sky Reese Moore, hasn't had his beer yet either. I have not. Sky Moore is slowly coming after Kelsey's title for uh, slowest fast guy on the team. No, he's, he's got great hands. He's got a great sense of a high point in the ball. You can tell from the body language with Mahomes, those two are really starting to build a rapport with one another. Which is good, because we're hearing things like MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster are also building rapports with Patrick Mahomes. So, I think Sky Moore is the obvious standout for me right now. Who do you think, Armando? 
I will. Well, first I'm gonna talk about Sky Moore, and then I'll tell I'll tell you who I think is doing really well. So Sky Moore kind of reminds me of Hunter Renfro. Okay. Where like Hunter Renfro is just very scrappy, but also an elite route runner where hunter renfro is not the fastest he's not the most athletic he's not the tallest um but he is going to be incredibly productive and going to be a significant player on a playoff team where i feel like sky Moore is that like the, from the film that i've seen he's not very fast but his route running is already like veteran status route running and on a like people have to understand that on a chiefs team it takes a long time to understand the playbook understand how to run routes like we saw it with travis kelsey we saw it McCole hardman like it doesn't come second nature in fact josh gordon is still dropping balls in training camp and josh gordon is by far you know a huge veteran on the team but you know there's that anyway but sky Moore is already playing extremely well in a very short time on probably one of the most sophisticated offenses that the nfl's ever seen so i'm a big sky Moore fan we're seeing patrick mahomes hopefully purposefully like under throwing to him or throwing in really tight holes that sky Moore is able to get um i also love the competition uh with um well i guess we'll talk about this later but on defense it doesn't look like our defense is just chilling out on these on these training camps like they look incredibly scrappy against this offense which is a lot of fun so to see sky Moore be productive um with a very competitive defense around him and like really tight holes and the videos that we've seen has been really impressive so i'm really looking forward to sky Moore because he doesn't have to be the number one option like you said juju's doing well mvs is doing really well um who else has been um, just so many people are and, and mccall actually is, has been doing pretty well as well so i think sky Moore is great a person that i really love and i've loved since the beginning is george Karloftis. george Karloftis looks so fast on the edge and that's something that we've missed in kansas city we haven't seen speed on the edge for such a long time moments of frank clark and that's about it i can't name someone else that's been fast on the edge like george Karloftis is already like like we've we've seen one-on-one drills with him just going over people we've seen frank clark try to teach him things and george Karloftis like yeah bro watch this and then do it even better than frank clark um we also i think it was really nice frank clark actually did describe george Karloftis as like a hungry student when george when uh, frank clark was telling him how to do something um at the end of practice george comes up to him he's like i finally did what you told me and was super pumped and frank was like all right dude i just like told you to do one thing why are you so excited about it but that's the type of player that george is like he's so excited when he gets something right and he's doing really well he's fast um but he's also big it's a really big body so i'm super excited to have him on the edge uh carlos dunlap kind of helping him transition into like an edge role and being a starter i i, I don't know if he'll be a starter week one uh I'm assuming George is going to be a starter week one in the playoffs, though. I think uh, he just he just looks too good right now. Unless this is all fool's gold, uh, I think he's the real deal. He's definitely a high motor guy, which I know is a term that gets thrown around for a lot of people. But I mean, he really is a high motor guy. But yeah, we, we haven't seen it. Like, where when have when have we seen a high motor guy on edge like during the Patrick Mahomes era? Uh, I think the last is probably like. Tom Ball Tom Ball Lee never played with Pat, right? He was gone like the mm. first year Pat started. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think he was injured. Uh but anyway, I'd say Tomba. Uh I think Carl Lopps has a lot in common with him. You see it every down. It's like he's going you know, he's going full speed. He's giving it his all. He's not a he's not a take it easy kind of guy. He's a just take it kind of guy, which is what I want. 
And hopefully right. he's kind of inspiring Frank Clark because, I mean, we've heard the phrase thrown around at this training camp, diamond sharpens copper. And hopefully Karloftis can help sharpen up Frank Clark to uh, bring out the best in him. Uh, yeah, I, I think Karloftis has a great future for us. I think, like you said, he might not be a day one starter, especially with Carlos Dunlap coming in. But I think he will be the starter by the end of eh, but starter probably like week six or seven is my guess. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. And like especially because we have a really hard front end of the schedule as a, I mean, we have a hard back end of the schedule, but like the front end, we could easily go two and two, like three and three. And it, we still be a Super Bowl contending team. It'll be nice for him to transition into it and not have to start and maybe make a fool of himself on those first couple of weeks. Agreed. Agreed. One last thing I want to say about Sky Moore really quick before I uh, forget. You know, it's, sure. it's funny you mentioned that he doesn't have to be a number one guy coming into this year, which I totally agree. Uh, I think we're just going to be like, it's going to be a wide receiver core of like a bunch of number twos, which I am A-OK with because we haven't had a number two since like Sammy Watkins circa 2017 or 2019, 2020. Anyway, uh, Pete Sweeney said, I came into training camp pretty certain Sky Moore was a 2023 guy beginning to think he may be quite ahead of my assumed schedule. So Hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. I think uh, Karloftis is definitely on a good track. I think Sky Moore seems to be on an accelerated track, and uh, I'm excited to see what they both do this year. All right, so now that we've got the guys out of the way who are impressing us, Armando, I have to ask you, there's the concept of the camp crush. The person that you have to figure out, is this just like someone you're crushing on, or is this someone you're actually like loving for the right reasons? So, you know, for example, for me last year, it was Doris Fountain. You know, he was the guy I'm like, yo, this is like a 6'4", 225 wide receiver. He's from northern Iowa, so yeah, he's pretty cute. Uh, but I really think he could, you know, shine. Ultimately, he didn't wind up shining. I don't even know if he wound up getting off the practice squad. But this year, Armando, who is your camp crush? Um, <laughs> I think my camp crush is probably going to be your camp crush. So I'm going to do my second camp crush. Um, but I will preface it with I don't. I think he's not injured, so I'm crossing my fingers. But Cam Crush is Jordy Fortson. Oh, yeah, Jody Fortson. But Jody did not injure himself, right? I have to look. He tweaked his quad. Okay, but it's heard. it's non-serious because I'm going to... Okay, it's not serious. Sorry, I just looked. It said he's going to be back in a couple days. Okay, great. Jody Fortson is my Cap Crush of 2022 because what we saw from Jody last year, like in actual play against very competitive teams, was so impressive. Like the way, the way, like he had he had one touchdown, right? But it was just so awesome the way that he made that touchdown. He's oh, it's yeah. a big body. He's slender. He he doesn't just have to play the tight end position, but he can just play a really nice wide receiver position. Um, I don't know. I love Jody Fortson, and I think out of anyone, because we've seen him already be successful in the NFL and against competitive teams, that we can see a jump in Jody. And now that he's not injured, um, I would love to see him play. I would love to see him be the official backup for Travis Kelsey. Um, Noah, Noah Gray hasn't proved anything to me yet. Blake Bell hasn't proved anything to me yet. Let's put Jody Fortson in there. Let's do a two tight end set in the red zone. Let's make, like, let's do a Travis Kelsey pitch it to Mitchell Schwartz and then he pitches it back to Pat and then Pat fakes it to Travis but then gives it to Jody that's what I want to see next year Reese Camp Crush Jody Fortin let's go 
Jordy Forts definitely has a lot of upside. I know it's a name that I know a lot of people haven't heard, and a lot of people be like, guys, oh, no way, not gonna move the needle. But uh, I mean, Jordy, Jody Fortson is a tight end converted from wide receiver, and he's not overweight by any stretch. He's just like beefier DK Metcalf is really the only way to describe. Him. Not as fast as DK, because DK's got like Olympic sprinter speed, but he's like beefy, not as fast as DK Metcalf. So when we were short a tight end two last year, and he was always stuck in the practice squad, not being able to even like make special teams, the coach was like, hey, how would you feel about like adding a little bit of extra weight and learning tight end? And long story short, he was really shining last year. He wasn't like blowing up games, but he was proven to be a big body weapon with natural ball tracking ability. And uh, he was prone for a breakout until unfortunately he broke his Achilles last year. Like you said, it was like week six against Washington or something like that. So no yeah. pun intended, his season was kind of cut off at the knees. But this year, uh, if, if all goes well and he recovered from that uh, Achilles injury, I really do think he will be a fantastic jump ball, red zone, big body for Pat, which, again, he really hasn't had much of the last three or four years outside of Travis Kelsey. Right, and and if you think about it, like Travis Kelsey is 32 now, 33? Ooh, I want to say he's 30. I want to say he's turning 33 this season. Okay, like yeah, tur- like turning 33 and, like, not that we have to have the conversation of, like, when is Travis Kelsey done? Like, of course he has that... I'm knocking on what at least he has at least three more good years. You know, I, I think that's safe to say. Um, but this would be even more hopeful if, if Jody Fortson is successful, then we don't have to be, you know, oh, who's going to be a successor because then he is the big domino to fall whenever, you know, Travis starts to lose gas in the tank. So that's why I'm also really rooting for Jody. It would just be a perfect segue into that. Uh, Reese, how about you? I kind of I kind of know who your crush is already, but go ahead and tell us. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty obvious for anybody who listens to the podcast. Harrison he's Butker. A pl- <laughs> he's a player I've been focusing on for quite a long time. Uh, he really made a splash in the last calendar year. I'm, of course, talking about the safety special teamer from BYU, Zane Anderson. No, and get he's out of here. for a breakout season, by which I mean me breaking my TV by throwing my remote through when he gets keep getting put in compromising positions Dude, I will, big plays. I will give up Zane Anderson and a first round pick to anybody for nothing. I, I'd give up <laughs> Zane Anderson and uh, the rights to the running back position for, you know, anything. Uh, no, long story short, speaking of running back, uh, this one's pretty obvious in all seriousness. I've been enamored and uh, very curious by him since we drafted him late in 2022 that is isaiah pacheco the running back out of rutgers and the reason i say this is because pacheco has a a pretty elite running back build to him he's six just under six two about 225 and he ran the fastest 40 time in this draft i believe at a 4.37 seconds i think so. so he's got he's got elite speed imagine like a dk metcalf I keep coming back to him. DK Metcalf, but like in a running back form. Uh, you know, he, he put up 4.2 yards per carry at Rutgers. People, you know, it's not real eye-opening. But guys, Rutgers as a football program, and then you dive even deeper, their offensive line is so turgid. I mean, just to take this for example, University of Northern Iowa, my, my alma mater's had more linemen drafted in the last like two drafts than Rutgers has. He had nothing to work with. Uh, he has elite speed. He's got great strength. I think the one thing he needs to work on is going to be his vision. 
because particularly at Rutgers, he didn't have a whole lot of time to wait for plays to develop. If he saw a hole, he had to immediately like hold the left or right trigger and sprint through it because th- there was nothing that was going to develop after that hole. You saw that hole, you run. Yep. Now that he has an elite defense or elite offensive line and a great offensive mastermind to scheme some things up for him, I think if they pay attention and if they give him a chance or if a chance presents itself to him a la Kareem Hunt in 2018, I think Isaiah Pacheco could be our long-lost answer at running back. I haven't seen enough of his film to say that he is going to be the hole that is filled but he kind of checks out is it right like you never want to invest early picks in running backs which is what we've learned from ceh so he was drafted at the perfect time he has the speed he has the numbers he's he's a little he's a little chunkier which is really nice for us to have i I just have to see if he can if if he can be a a catching running back which it looks like andy Reid is going away from the cowbell running back into this more three-headed monster at least two-headed monster in ceh and ronald jones um but if he can fill that hole and like this chief's offense becomes different and more not that it's centralized on running backs because our friend buffalo mike would be livid if i said that but if there's a balance of of this this running back core and patrick mahomes dishing it out to all these new guys uh could be really special I think another thing Pacheco does really well, and he said this in press conferences, is that he loves to pass block. And that's one thing that none of our running backs have been good at recently. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Clyde edwards Lear is too small. Jarek McKinnon, competent, but also too small. Ronald Jones, not good at it. So I think if we can have a good pass-catching back that actually has some breakaway speed to him, or uh, sorry, pass-blocking back with some breakaway speed to him, that's really exciting looking forward. Another thing is... He's just, we drafted a lot of these guys this year. This is just a hungry, lunch pail rookie. And you can see it in the way he plays. He runs with purpose. His legs are always moving. His running style, go watch some highlights of Pacheco. He actually looks a lot like Adrian Peterson once he gets going. Uh And, I mean, we all know what Adrian Peterson was like on the field. So, uh, I I think any last things about Pacheco? Uh, Man. No, I just hope he gets an opportunity. If the opportunity arises, he makes the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, look, like the running back position is so volatile that there is definitely a universe where Pacheco is utilized very well. Like, like, did you think that Jared McKinnon was going to be a, a centralized figure in the playoffs last year? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? And like things like that happen. It's not. Uh, that isn't a random circumstance that it's very likely that those things happen because it's a very long season and we're just going to be absolutely brutalized with that AFC schedule. So I, I will say one thing. I really hope they don't just default to Clyde as the number one running back because of the first round pick thing. It's like I really want them to let it be an open competition at camp because I think it's safe to say Jarek McKinnon was the best running back we had in our roster last season. Yeah. Healthy Clyde or not. So it's like we've we've been uh, getting reports, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, that Pacheco was actually taking some reps with the first teamers, which yep. is very exciting. Uh, unfortunately, today Dave Tube came out and he said, uh, you know, Pacheco's my number one guy to return kicks. But that's where Tyree Kill started first. Remember uh, yeah. his first year? Yeah, it's so, definitely. It's, it's a prominent role on the Chiefs offense. It's not just a throwaway role. 
I just hope they value him more as a actual rotational running back to put in from the start, and he doesn't get the the wear and tear of having to return kicks, yeah, uh, slowing down and and adding up on him. But eventually, all these kick returners have become featured parts of our offense, so maybe it's a rite of passage in the Chiefs' offense. You know what I mean? It's possible. You Could never be. know. You never know. Uh, anybody else, Reese, that you want to talk about before we go into some beer? Nope. I think I have said my piece. Uh, I have played counselor to the camp, and I can't wait to see how these happy campers finish up their time. I think I think one thing before we go into the break, I really like Trent McDuffie right now in camp. Uh, he seems like he's playing really well against the starters. He's quick. He's feisty. Um, he, he's putting his hand on the ball, and like he's playing with a lot of energy, which I know rookies do, but... I don't, he, you just just from the eye test, Reese. Like, there there there's guys in camp that play really well and stand out, and they they're very athletic. And Trent McDuffie is one of those dudes where it's where I don't think it's a coincidence that it's just like training camp crush. It's like no, this dude he looks legit. That's an athletic body, and like that looks like an NFL ready player. So I'm very excited about Trent McDuffie. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the one thing we need to watch is he didn't play a lot of man in college. He was a big zone kind of team uh, i think if he can pick up man coverage that'll be the biggest thing because we will have a fairly unproven secondary if all things go according to plan uh you know good problem to have but you know mark your man don't be a dirty dan <laughs> and and with that we are gonna go into the beer review so stay tuned ladies and gentlemen if you haven't already hit that download button peace don't be a pain don't be a zane everyone's favorite time of the podcast that's right it's this week in craft beer the segment of the show where we sit down and talk about what's going on this week in craft beer as well as review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure this week's story coming out of paste not literally you know because that'd be gross but uh coming out of paste magazine Iconic craft breweries are completely surrendering to IPA dominance. And in this article, they're talking about how Lagunitas and Sierra Nevada, two companies primarily known for being some of the forefathers of American IPAs, are bringing IPAs back to the forefront of their brewing strategy. I know we've talked about this a lot on how there's kind of a new strata in the beer industry. A lot of those old guards that were kind of found in the 80s and early 90s. I'm talking your Boulevards, your Odell's. Bells, founders, all those guys are now kind of like their own class within the brewing agency. They're not a drop in the bucket compared to Anheuser-Busch, but they also put barrels on barrels compared to even smaller breweries. Mm -hmm. So they're turning to focus their strategy into giving in to the IPA market. Uh, That is the long and short of this story. But I think the article opened up with a very good question that, Armando, I wanted to ask you this question. So, in our current era, he is beginning to think that craft beer geeks must fall into one of three camps. That would be, number one, they rank and file drinkers who genuinely cannot get enough India Pale Ale and have no problem with other beer styles being displaced in the market by more and more IPA. I don't personally know many of these people, but if they didn't exist, we wouldn't be seeing what we're seeing right now. Number two, IPA doomers. These frustrated souls who have come to resent the country's most popular and prolific craft beer style. 
These folks, of which I have occasionally been one, can often be found at the pulpit preaching about the impending doom of beer variety as it threatens to be crushed under the inexorable tide of hops. Number three, IP agnostics. People who acknowledge that the style has grown to rather ridiculous proportions, but also find themselves just as annoyed at the latest iteration of The Sky is Falling from beer fans who they believe spend entirely too much time complaining about IPA. Armando, are you the Hop Borg from option number one? <laughs> the IPA Doomer from number two? Or are you the agnostic go with the flow from number three? I think I'm a little bit of one and two. Like oh, yeah? I'm, I'm definitely. I love you. You know, I love a tasty IPA. <laughs> We've been doing beer reviews for two years now. I, I'm totally number one. But I also recognize that people are not drinking IPAs anymore. Like yes, the craft beer scene is doing it, but I, unfortunately, I feel like the craft beer scene is getting smaller and smaller because of the access to seltzers and the like uh the social social ability i don't even know if that's a word but the social ability of seltzers it being in a social setting where like i can have five seltzers it'll be tasty um i don't have to try an ipa where like 10 years ago we've had this talk before but it's true right now is like 10 years ago someone would try an ipa at a at a party now they don't have to they go no i can have my berry blackberry um you know, a berry seltzer. Berry berry. Yeah, I could have my berry berry seltzer and I don't need to try this, you know, IPA crap. And so I am definitely personally number one, but I also see the future and it kind of looks bleak for piney IPAs. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I know we've talked on this podcast before. There are people that don't consider hazy IPAs to be a true IPA. Uh, so I would say... You know, it's funny. I, I think last year was probably when I was at my zenith for IPAs because, like, all I wanted to do was go to bars and be like, I need a hazy IPA because, like, they're, they're fun. The tropical flavors are all a bit different. But to a degree, I feel like they've hit a bit of a plateau for me. Uh, I'm not seeing as different of things being done with IPAs. And all those resiny, hazy bad boys are all starting to blend together a little bit. But I am weaning myself away, and I'm going to come back, and I'm sure it'll be like it's never left in the first place yeah uh number number two i i don't think i can see myself as an ipa doomer i really don't because i do agree that like the day of the big west coast hot bomby dank whatever are are waning but at the same time it's like the same thing's been it's being said about stouts you know uh and, and other styles of beer and th they still hang around they're not featured as much as they used to but they're still like ancillary auxiliary auxiliary totally. styles of beer I think I'm probably mostly number three, where I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, hazy IPAs are killing the market right now. Uh, I'm just going to kind of live with it because there are other options. So as long as, you know, I, I get a little sick when I go to a brewery and they have like, let's say they have 10 beers on tap and probably four or five of them are hazies. I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. Uh, but that's for like small tap rooms. If it's something bigger where it's like we have like 30 beers on tap and... 10 or 12 of them are hazy IPAs. I'm like, you know, that's still 18 other beers. So, you know me. I'm pragmatic in everything I do. I'm probably number three. <laughs> yeah, that I, I think so, too. And, like, I, I don't know. I uh, we, we never thought that, like, 10 years ago, I, 
and I don't know, I keep saying 10 years ago, but I'm just going to. We never thought that Pilsners would come back in style, you know what I mean? Like, oh, exactly. or Kolsch's. And so I think there's still hope for the IPA. Like, we, we just don't know trends. Like, maybe maybe things just get so crazy in the beer industry where everything just becomes too sweet that eventually people will break out of it and then these bitter tastes will come back because like palates can can reach a zenith you know the palates can like just be way too oversaturated at some point and then it's like what are we even doing here guys so there i mean there's definitely a possibility that the ipa the piney ipa the, like the hardcore ipas come back and it becomes in fashion again you just never know like i I didn't think Pilsner. I didn't know like the coolest bar in Denver in 2022 was going to be a Czech Pils bar. Like who would have thought that? You know what I mean? Oh, mess me up. Speaking of Frank, I'm out there. We got to go there. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, dude. We have to like, I was telling Logan this, we have to plan a, like a Denver day. We have to, we have to just do a Denver day, whether we like shut, there's a shuttle that we can take from Colorado Springs is pretty inexpensive and just go all the way up there so we can get sloshed. Obviously Logan can't get sloshed because she's pregnant, but, um, uh. yeah, but we can, we, we can figure it out. But yeah, dude, you gotta, we gotta take you there. We gotta take you to, cause you still haven't been to Beerstadt either, right? It was closed when nope. you were driving by. No, uh. it was, yeah, that would have been open like. 25 minutes after oh man and like that that is where you have like the check pills place is cool but like the beer shop place is just oh amazing yeah and like logan loves the food so we can we can entice her to go there (laughs) and it's in denver so i'm sure everything's gluten-free right oh yeah and it's right oh uh wait (laughs) i i i think okay don't quote me um and sorry noel if this isn't real but i'm almost positive they have a gluten-free fried chicken Oh my gosh, mess her right up. That's like her favorite I'm food. Almost positive it's a gluten free oh fried gosh. chicken. If that's a real thing, uh, she's going to completely flip her lid. It's because be you're honestly, you're right. Like everything is gluten free in, in Denver. It's pretty wild. You know what they call uh, Denver? They call it the california of the rockies honestly very much so yeah i mean if if it was if it was not as expensive i know both you and noel would leave kansas city in a heartbeat and go to denver oh i'm sure dude i was enamored with colorado springs when i was there i'm like look at these mountains look at these trails just wait dude but it's just it's so expensive it's like manhattan now oh i know i know uh i fully believe it so speaking of which Good transition. Talking about hazy IPAs, talking about sweet flavors, talking about unique things, and how the genre is going to have to evolve. Armando, even speaking of Colorado here, I have a legendary beer in my possession tonight Drum roll. for reviewing pleasure. A collaboration between City <gasps> Barrel and Weldworks. No, dude, two, yes! Two of the realest in Let's the game. Go. Let's go. Two of Let's the realest go. in the game. I bring you Fun Dip Hazy India Pale Ale. Oh, dude, I'm so excited. Now, here's the thing. I know it just sounds like, oh, it's another, like, sweet, gimmicky, hazy IPA. No, 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 no. I think I mentioned this to you, the concept of cold IPAs, uh, IPLs, whatever you want to call them. City Barrel does a great job of innovating things like that you know they're really getting on top of those trends this beer in particular brewed in collaboration with our friends at weldworks brewing we employed a new technique a new hopping technique called dip hopping this low temperature hop addition between the whirlpool and fermentation creates intense tropical and fruit aromas let's have some fun 
Dude, let's go. Okay, I'm so excited. Reese told me, well, actually, I think I sent it to you or you sent it to me that they were doing this together. And like, it's also a testament to City Barrel, just City Barrel, like really getting into the like beer scene and being able to collab with Weldworks. That's super awesome. So I'm very excited for Reese to try Fun Dip. A double IPA. All right, Reese, you know the story, but for our fans out there, maybe first-time listeners, don't forget to download. But as you download, we have one, two, three, four, five, six different categories that we review these beers from zero to ten. The first one that we have, though, is aroma. So, Reese, go ahead and crack that beer open, pour it in a glass, and then tell us what it smells like. What, uh, what do you get on the nose there? Man, I almost took a rip of the, the smell just cracking open the can right away because I'm so anxious for this. Uh, I still have, I think, one, maybe two cans of Weldworks from when I last visited you back in April. So. Let's oh, see. damn. I got a... It was that Cherry Burliner Vice. Yes. I think I, think I got Juicy Bits. All right. Aroma. Aroma. Definitely a lot of orange on this one. Yeah, a lot of orange, a lot of tropical fruit. I'm getting some kiwi. Some pineapple. And a little bit... And I'm getting some grapefruit. The more it opens up, the more I'm getting grapefruit. Kind of bringing back notes of Boulevard Tropical Pale Ale. May it rest in peace. This smells clean. This smells delicious. Uh, that's a very enticing aroma. I'm going to give that probably a nine nine four holy crap coming out the gate a nine four from reese yeah baby you know for those that are new to this game reese does not screw around with he rarely gives nines 9.4 he's not messing around today holy moly two can sam too fast too furious (laughs) follow it on patreon Attaboy. I'm tired, man. I've been up since five this morning. All right. Well, we'll keep it going then, baby. That's why it tastes so good. Appearance. It looks pretty good from here, Reese. Describe the appearance of that beer. Uh, this is a recliner, and you can call it Hazy Boy. Uh, you know, it, this is. It, it looks like orange juice. It, it legitimately looks like Sunny D in my glass. Maybe not as like radiating nuclear yellow, orangish, but like very similar. If you took the head off of this, which I'm trying to do with my mind right now. Yeah, I would guess this is like Sunny D or like Tampico or something that like that. looks like the chunkiest IPA I've ever seen in my life. You know, what's funny is you don't see a lot of anything in there. It's like... It looks you know, so you know those, dark. You know those rooms that like absorb sound? You know, you, you can go in there and like it literally you eats all sound. You your own start, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, this is the equivalent of that. Like or like a black hole. This just eats light. Anything that hits this does not make it through <laughs> the other side. Anything that goes on inside of this cannot have light refracted off of it. Therefore, you cannot see it. This is a mystery beer. <laughs> Did you give a, a rating? Sorry. I have not. No, I was uh, pontificating. Uh, I would say appearance on this. This looks like a delicious IPA. I'm going to give it a uh, 8.8. Yes. All right. 8.8. Right out the man. Two great ratings off the bat. Now we have our favorite category is flavor. Reese, tell us if you still taste that grapefruit, that orange, that kiwi that you smelled. Is it this similar or different? This is interesting. I I get a lot of grapefruit in this. I get a lot of grapefruit in it, which I'm not mad about. 
a lot of bitterness, like a lot of pithy bitterness from grapefruit. Uh, the tropical fruits, I say I'd get kiwi more than anything else in there. Uh, I wouldn't say this tastes like a Juicy Bits clone because it's not. But I almost commented this on the nose of it is we've talked about this in the show before on how you can kind of tell beers from the brewery. Like if you have enough beers from enough, if you have enough beers from a brewery, you can start picking up on their characteristics. This has a Weldworks nose to it from the IPAs of Epton Weldworks. And I would say flavor wise, it airs more towards a Weldworks flavor than a city barrel flavor. Huh? There's, there's nothing sweet and nothing gimmicky about this beer, which you wouldn't guess with the name like fun dip. Uh, this is just a good old fashioned, excuse me, quality, hazy IPA that is the kind of thing that defines the genre. And in a sea of beers, trying to do insano things, it's nice to just have something that does something well. I'm going to flavor on this. I'm going to get flavor on this in 8.8 as well. 8.8 high remarks from Referees or the yeast incarnate Bach Lesnar over here. That's nice. great, man. Um, uh, actually, I have a follow-up question, but let's do mouthfeel, and then I'll ask a question. Um, so mouthfeel, Reese, let us know how it how it feels, and then after you do that, I just want to know, if can you tell the difference between, like, since this is a low-temperature-made IPA, can you tell the difference between that and a hazy, or is it just the same? flavor-wise I'd say it's I'd say it's pretty similar flavor-wise this isn't as sickly sweet as some other hazy IPAs have been Uh, and honestly I would kind of align this more into something like heady topper uh, in the sense of like I said with these breweries they both both of them do such crazy unique things with IPAs that I love and I've had like things out of left field, sour raspberry IPAs, you know, cotton candy IPAs, all that stuff. So just to have like a pure hazy IPA picking up tropical notes from the hops and also getting like classic bitterness from it, I almost wonder if like the dip hopping or whatever they call it, uh, what was I can't say? Yeah, the dip hopping, it's like I almost feel like that's bringing out more of like the hop bitterness than other things. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like not a huge distinction, but enough that it's unique. Yeah, I, I would say so. And uh, I think it's a cold temperature thing because when I tried that IPL or cold IPA from City Barrel, it had a similar kind of like bitter, earthy, uh, almost crackery finish to it that I liked. I'll be at that used lager yeast instead of ale yeast, but, uh, you know, Somewhere in between there is what I'm getting at. So. Okay. Anyway, mouthfeel. I would be curious to see if the if the dip hopping affected the mouthfeel because I said this looks like Sunny D in a glass. It's got the exact same mouthfeel as Sunny D, albeit carbonation and bitterness to add a little bit of sparkle to the sides of the tongue. I think this is a very crushable beer. Uh, it's 8.2%, but, I mean, like, I, I could drink this. I'm a big sipper of beer. 8.2 thir- 8. is that that'll mess you up oh for sure uh yeah I, i'm a big sipper of beer this is a beer i could drink you know I, i'd probably only want to do two of them before i tap out but it's like i could 
probably polish this off right now if I really wanted to. So do it, do it. Yeah, For only right? five dollars a month, you can see Reese chugging eight point two percent IPA live on air. <laughs> yeah, and we if we hit the hundred dollar patron, you can watch me uh, chug a seven fifty of my favorite wild sour I have in my collection. Noel just like dragging you off the camera. He's like Reese, go to bed. Throw me in the car, take me to North Kansas City Hospital. No, <laughs> mouthfeel on this. I'm going to give that. That's a 9.5 mouthfeel. Oh, man. Really is. Holy mm-hmm. moly. Okay, we are we are in an elite category here on Found City Sports Media with Reese's Beer Review. Um, last of the uh, ununique categories, aftertaste. Reese, is there a different taste on the back end of that than when you first tried it? Anything else stand out in this lovely ipa yeah i would say sipping it you get more fruit and the longer it sits the more you get the the grapefruit pithy bitterness the hoppiness to it uh i wouldn't say it's a direct dichotomy of two different kinds of flavors it's a nice kind of easy transition that unfurls um it does it well nothing special that you know absolutely blows my mind or reinvents the wheel so for that, uh, I'll, I'll give it a uh, an eight point six. Eight point six. Eight point six. All right. High remarks still and ending. Last but not least, Reese, we have the Stonks drinkability quotient. How awesome is this beer? How badass is this beer? How unique is this beer to you? Include can art if you'd like, and how cool it is. Uh, you know the can art is pretty cool. It's got this kind of a. Uh, Imagine 90s, like, turquoise, pink, green, yellow, orange pastiche going on with, like, headphones, you know, and high-top chucks and dollar signs and cassette tapes because fun dip and 90s and all that stuff. (laughs) What's funny is, like I said, City Beer and Wild Works are known for really doing kind of off-the-beaten-path, like, kind of cool concept-y beers. And with this can art, like, this is not what I expected this beer to be. I kind of expected, like... I don't know, vanilla sweet candy IPA, which I'm right. not upset that this isn't. Uh, it's just a little bit different than I expected. What I got was an incredibly mature, well-thought-out IPA that does a whole bunch well, much like how Alex and I just reviewed Fast Five. <laughs> and people are like, oh my gosh, it's a film with you know, like Big Meaty The Rock and Big Meaty Vin Diesel, but they have a fight scene. But if you go back and read some of the reviews of that film, they're kind of like, yo, The Rock's acting was actually, like, at the time, like, probably some of the best acting he had done and probably still holds up to some of his better acting. And, uh, you know, Vin Diesel also left the campiness aside. So instead of having, like, The Expendables, which is just, you know, crazy 1980s flamethrowers riding dragons Rambo stuff, it's like, oh, this is actually a decent script with pretty good acting. Wow, okay, that's not what I expected. So... For being too hopped and too curious, I think the crushability <laughs> of this makes it a uh, man. I'm gonna give this a stonk drinkability quotient of a nine. Yes. Solid nine. All right. Wait, what did you just say? Two what and two what? 
Uh, what did I say? Two hops, too curious or <laughs> two something hop, like that? Two hops, too curious. That was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Okay, great remarks around the board. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, If you can, uh, especially those in the Kansas City area, please try this beer. Uh, I think you can get it at liquor stores, too. I was just looking at Untapped. I think it's all over the place. So please try Fun Dip, a collaboration with City Barrel and Weldworks, my former uh, employer. Still very good friends with them. Still making incredible beer. So please, you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss because... Um, Weldworks does not do national distro still, so this will be one of the rare times that you get to try in Kansas City. Uh, last time I can only think of was um, maybe the Pilsner that uh, that Boulevard did with Weldworks. Yeah, uh, no, we did a hazy collab with Weldworks in like 2018. We did okay. a Pils collab with Bierstadt in 2019. Oh, that's right, that was it, which was amazing. I bought like packs and packs. I will say, speaking of which, don't buy any of this. I've got a few cans in my closet for you. So you if, you, if you it. see it out in Greeley or whatever, I'm, I'm sending some Screw home Screw that, with you. man. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, be yeah. Out with you before I go to Colorado, so I will definitely take you up, and uh, we'll, we'll have some over there at your place. Perf. Sounds good to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We're going to wrap up the R uh, podcast today with uh, OBJ news, um, and not that OBJ, the other OBJ. Uh, for better or for worse, <laughs> stay tuned. Orlando Becky Johnson. <laughs> no. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, we are back to finish the episode with some Orlando Brown Jr. news. Uh, it's been the elephant in the room for most of the offseason. Uh, we figured that he was going to hold out on training camp, uh, but we did not expect him to come back and come back so soon. Um, it looks like he has declined the offer for Kansas City Chiefs and he will eventually be franchise tagged by the Kansas City Chiefs, which is honestly, well, I, I won't get into analysis yet, but um, good news that he's back in camp, um, especially when it's important for him to be there um, during the last part of camp. So Reese, why don't you tell me um, good news or bad news that he's, that he's back and that he's franchise tagged. What do you think? Absolutely good news. Uh, I don't think there was anybody else we could put on the left tackle. The short of notice that would have been anywhere near what he would have been. They were talking about putting Tooney in there and putting Kennard in a left guard, uh, you know, but or Allegretti or someone. But then you're kind of like, well, then who's playing right tackle? Because Kennard's kind of like slotted to do that. Anyway, th- there was no combination of what we had that was going to make up for the fact that Orlando Brown Jr. was going to be there. The closest, maybe the talk of bringing in Eric Fisher until OBJ came to a sense about week six and week seven and had to do it or he wouldn't get paid. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't see how it's a bad thing. Do you think it's a good thing, bad thing? Oh, I think it's a great thing uh, because it, it, it's honestly a win-win for both, right? We we have him on the books. It's not going to hurt us on the books. We were already already planning on franchise tagging him, so um, it, it kind of worked against. It kind of worked with the cap, right? Like everything still works. We can still get Carl Dunlap. We can still extend Kelsey and give him more money on the front end of his contract. Um, so it works out, and it works out for Orlando Brown Jr. as well. If he thinks that he is an elite. Um, offensive tackle in the NFL, then this is his time to prove it, right? Like he did not prove it last year. It's clear that he should not be one of the highest paid offensive tackles in the NFL. And if he thinks he is, then there's just one thing he has to do. Then he has to dominate next year. You know, he already has a year in the system. It's very different from Lamar Jackson and Jim Harbaugh's system. So now he's in a new one or now he's in 
a year into a Andy Reid offense. Um, he knows what is expected of him. There's nothing new in particular that he needs to do. So prove it. Prove you're the best, and then you will get paid as so. Maybe we're not going to pay you, but someone else will pay you if you produce. Um, so it worked out because, we, like you said, we, we, we needed him to fill that left tackle spot. We, we still need someone to fill the right tackle spot, so that's really the biggest concern at this point. Uh, but, yeah, great, great for both sides. Love it. No, I agree. I, and we talked about this last year in the podcast. I said, you know, we probably lost a good offensive tackle when we didn't re-sign Eric Fisher, but we potentially got a great offensive tackle when we signed Orlando Brown Jr. And I want this to be on the record. Like, I am rooting for Orlando Brown Jr., and I was rooting for Orlando Brown Jr., uh, but again, it was the case of like, like you said, you did not play anywhere near the stratosphere of being able, like, like being able to come out and demand to be paid more than someone like Trent Williams or Bakhtiari. So it's like, dude, if you want to show up this year and play even within kind of like their area code, and I'm like, yeah, he's playing like probably a top five, maybe to seven left tackle in the league. I'm like, then you know what? Yeah, pay him. I'd love to lock this guy down long term. He's got a lot of potential. But the way he handled things. You know, making those kind of like hollowed threats about the Chiefs don't want to be playing with a backup left tackle this year. It's it's so weird. And did you see his comments that he came out when he uh, came back to camp? So here's a quote. He said, I missed a lot of ball up to this point. I missed the locker room. I missed the coaches. Everyone here in the building. I know how important this five-day stretch is to Coach Andy Reid and everybody here in KC. Uh... I want to, uh, I'm going to paraphrase from here. This is something that I want to be part of. I was brought here to help win Super Bowls, and this week is very important to our progression. And later on, he talks about how he wants to be a chief for the rest of his career. That's such a dichotomy to what he was saying with those hollow threats that I'm just kind of like, who is Orlando Brown actually, and what does he want? You know, he seems to just be kind of like putting on a lot of lip service right now. He's either talking big. Or he's saying the right thing in front of the cameras. I'm not sure who he is, where his loyalties lie. What about you? Yeah, I, I think he's playing very much to like whatever his agent is probably telling him to say. Like, of course, he has to be standoffish when it comes to negotiations because he needs to be, he needs to present himself as the best in the league and deserves all this money. But now that he knows he's franchise tagged, now it's the posture of being the team player, you know, ready to go back into the offense, ready to contribute to Patrick Mahomes. So it's it's very it's a very cookie cutter response. He um, he's just he's probably doing whatever his agent tells him to do and now that he knows he's not going to get any um you know another contract and that he's getting his franchise tag for this year i think maybe he's more sincere now now he he can really be a team guy and i think he's always been he's never been a locker room distraction i don't think Uh, we always knew that this was going to happen we knew in the offseason this was the biggest issue is were they going to extend him or were they going to franchise tag and honestly like pod if you listen to podcasts our podcast and others um months ago like in in april you would hear us say the same thing he we're going to franchise tag him we're not going to come up with a deal with him so i think the writing was on the wall um i trust him to be a sincere guy uh now and he's really bought into the team and i think he understands how special this team can be you know uh, the post tyreek hill with all these weapons i I think he understands this can be a really special year 
He says he's in the best shape of his career. Do you think that's true, or do you think that's just a cliche that everybody says at training camp? Uh, I haven't heard any buzz about him having the best shape. If we want to talk about best shape, we, we can talk about Frank Clark, actually. Um, but OB, o, OBJ or Leonard Brown Jr. is not one that stands out as the best shape ever. But, of course, he has to say that because he's in a contract year. Like, he has to tout himself. He has to build, you know, who he is right now. If the stats back it up, then, yes, he will be. He'll, he'll make a lot of money. But uh, I don't want to segue into Frank Clark, but Frank Clark, I will just say briefly, and we can go back to OBJ, but Frank Clark looks good. He's not drinking. He's been, I think, four months sober. Uh, really seems to have a team player attitude. I'm really uh, not a crush in training camp, but uh, I'm actually pretty excited about Frank Clark. Yeah, I think uh, Frank Clark's going to be interesting. Uh, he's another player that he seems to make some changes because I think he knows that you know he's out of Kansas City after this year. We're not picking him up next year because there's there's no way we're giving him thirty million guaranteed next year, especially not when we have potentially Orlando Brown, other contracts coming up. Uh, I think there is still gas left in the Frank Clark tank. I think we know what he is now, which is you know I, I think we were all hoping we were getting you know a JJ Watt, a TJ Watt, a Max Crosby, you know like that kind of elite level edge rush with Frank. And what we realistically have is a guy who, when he's on his A game, is probably playing more of a BB-plus game, you know, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, he's an above-average starter with some potential uh, high-ceiling action, but we just haven't seen it consistently enough. Uh, I hope that's different this year. We really need some edge rush. I'm hearing some good things about Mike Dana, yeah. but, I don't think, but I don't think Mike Dana is a what's he doing every time he lines up level guy i don't think we have any of those right now so yeah. no i think i think mike mike dana without getting too off topic i think if he pans out he like our this line could be very special with chris jones getting a lot of the work a lot of the attention which will clear up frank clark and mike dana if mike dana's on the defensive tackle spot um and if he actually is good like damn this could be not scary but pretty good it would be pretty exciting. Uh, I, I think suddenly, with the addition of Carlos Dunlap, I think our defensive line went from being like, I wouldn't say dumpster fire, but like pretty close yeah, like to C minus. Yeah, I'm in the C, C minus range. Well, I, I would have said probably D, D plus, to be honest, because <laughs> uh, th- there wasn't a whole lot of talent in starters. I mean, and yeah, they Chris Jones still pretty depth. good. <laughs> well, I don't know. Dude, Chris Jones is another one who's on my watch list, man. I'm like, he might not be a chief after this year. It's, it's very possible we, we trade him for picks. Uh, I think the only one out there who seems really hungry is Karloftis. But, you know, as you mentioned, Frank Clark made some diet changes, cut out alcohol. Let's see what he does. Uh, Let's see what having two competent edge rushers does to help Chris Jones, but he still needs to record a postseason sack. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm getting off topic here. We're talking about Orlando Brown, right? (laughs) Yeah, but but those guys are exciting, though. I get it. (laughs) No, 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 no. I I 100% get what you're saying. Uh, There's a lot of question marks this year on both lines but i'm confident with the pieces that it's uh it's a situation where if they play up to even like a high floor that they all have then i i like the possibility and opportunity i don't think we have any like big glaring red flags anymore like i I don't think the 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 lack of pass rush on the d-line is going to kill us like it was even a week ago Uh, but i do think it is a weak spot and i think it's one of those things that's like close games like last year against Cincinnati in the playoffs, they're going to be won and lost by can you make sacks, which the defensive line could not last year. Right. So 
that's my biggest thing. You just got to make some sacks. Bada bing. All right. Um, anything to close out the pod, Reese? Any final thoughts? Uh, put a button on OBJ or any other thing or what you're doing this weekend, whatever. Uh, I'm not really doing much this weekend. Uh, I'm excited for the Chiefs' first preseason game, which is August 13th, so we're only 11 days oh, away man. from that. Oh, boy. That'll be sad. I don't know who we're playing. It's like I think it's the Bears or Washington or something like that. But uh, no, I, I always love these preseason games. People hate them. I, I know the first game can get a little long in the tooth because like by the third quarter you have like special teams and practice squad guys out there playing. Yeah. But no, I, I love it. I love seeing what we have. I love watching kind of like the potential feature of the team and watching my camp crushes and seeing if they, seeing if they whisk me away or if they break my heart. Bada bing, bada boom. If you want to be a podcast crush, please download this podcast. Give us $2 on Patreon, and Ooh. you bet we'll be thinking about you. Yeah, we, we call out all of our sugar daddies on Patreon whenever we <laughs> they subscribe, so get ready for that. Yes, absolutely. Please contribute to that. Uh, other than that, we will see you soon. We'll talk uh, some more Chiefs, and uh, we'll break down some, some Royals news later on. I think we just had a really beefy Chiefs podcast, and we didn't have time for the Royal stuff, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll chat about Royals some other day. Uh, yeah, and make sure you follow us on all of our podcast and social media stuff, and we'll see you next time. joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 